L. David Hessler here to thank you for listening to Bad Notes. This week's middle of the episode mixtape guest is Holy Grove with their song Huntress. Find more of their work at holygrove.bandcamp.com and follow them on Facebook at Holy Grove Band. Remember to stick around until the end of the show to hear a special message from Orb Industries, the strange sponsor behind Bad Notes. In 1996, after nearly two decades spent touring the American Midwest with his heavy metal band Starfed, cult guitar hero Orrin Moon disappeared without a trace. Despite dozens of distraught fans, the music industry barely noticed his absence. While law enforcement assumed Moon had simply fled the country or joined a religious commune, for nearly two more decades, the true story went untold. Then, in early 2016, a music journalist for National Independent Radio received an unmarked package that contained over 200 dated microcassettes with a handwritten letter that read, This is the story of Orrin Moon. He was an amazing musician, a loving father, and the best demon slayer the world never knew. Notes, created by L. David Hessler, Part 15. Sometimes telling the truth is more difficult than keeping the secret. When Mel told us she sold her dad's guitar, tears had begun pouring from the corners of her eyes. Her body seemed to wrench inward on itself with every syllable, and then she just stood there like someone had pressed a knife into her chest. I noticed Pony standing behind her, his mouth drawn open and his eyes wide. And for a few moments, we all just stood in Wicked Jenny's dark basement without saying anything else. There was just the sound of a refrigerator humming in one corner, and somewhere nearby in the hills of Ruddy Heights, someone was blasting Wicked Jenny's song, No Pain, No Fame. Finally, Mel took a deep breath. We got into an argument, she said. Me and Dad, I mean. About stupid shit 
Wicked Jenny said. Tell us everything. Mel stared at her for a few seconds, like she was trying to gauge how much she could trust Jenny. Then she started pacing around the table, nibbling at her fingernails as she tried to tell the story. He called me. Out of the blue, you know? Said he was sorry he missed our show at the fair and that he had heard we kicked ass. I told him we did. He said he wouldn't have expected any less. Mel closed her eyes and recounted the rest of the conversation. He asked if I had spoken to Mom recently. He said she got a new job in Florida and she was probably making more money in a week than he had been paid in the past two years. I told him I hadn't talked to her in at least five months, maybe more. The time just kept getting away from me and life was so hectic and all that kind of bullshit. She sighed. And then he said something I've never heard him say to me before. He said, he said he was disappointed in me. Her eyes sprang open and her cheeks flushed red. Well, I wasn't going to let him make me feel like shit, you know? When was the last time he called me? When was the last time he went out of his way to visit home, to send a postcard, to come and have a goddamn dinner with me? If I was a disappointment to him, then he sure as hell was a disappointment to me. Like father, like daughter, right? He tried to calm me down. I told him to screw off. Mel stood and glared at the floor like she'd dropped something at her feet. And then... Then he told me that she was dying. My heart sank, and I just wanted to reach out for Mel's hand. Pancreatic cancer, she said. Late stage. She's working to pay for medical bills. Dad told me she wouldn't call me about it because she didn't want me to worry. She didn't want me to give up on my dreams. Didn't want me to change my life for her. And what dreams do I have? Playing thrash cover songs with the giants of science? Getting high whenever I'm not drunk off my ass? Playing the same pisswater beer joints and pubs around Mason's Post for the same barflies every weekend? It's a joke. My dream was a joke. I was turning into my dad. So I told him that. And I told him I was done with music. That if mom died and I didn't get to see her first, then it would be his fault. That he was the reason I had no drive, no motivation, no ambition. It was his fault if I never got to see her again. So yeah. I sold the guitar to a pawn shop in Mason's Post. She took a deep breath. And held it. Like she'd taken a drag off a cigarette. Finally she growled. I'm done with music. Wicked Ginny approached her slowly, reaching forward with one hand and caressing Mel's cheek. You might be done with music, Ginny said, but girl, music ain't done with you at all.
Wicked Ginny unfurled a map of Missouri across the table and held a single candle above it as she ran one finger down the lower right quadrant. You sold the guitar in the town of Mason's Post, she asked. Mel nodded. To a man named Tully Rollins? Mel shrugged. The pawn shop is called Tully's, she said. But to be honest, I don't know if he even still works there. He used to be friends with my dad, but I think he was in some sort of a car accident or something a few years ago. Not even sure if he's still alive. Ginny shared a worried glance with Pony, who returned the expression. Mel leaned over the eastern portion of the map. Why is this guitar so important? She knows about her 10th birthday, Jenny asked Pony. Her ability to ignore questions was some kind of uncanny superpower. Pony nodded and cupped his hands over his ears like headphones. Anything after, she asked. Pony shook his head. Wicked Ginny leaned back in the chair and placed the candle on the table beside the large map. Your father came into possession of a tape on your tenth birthday. You've heard this story. Mel nodded. It was the reason my mom left him. So it goes, Ginny said. And for good reason. The night crowd runs rampant with rumors and legends, stories passed on through generations, and one myth that has persisted for centuries is the story of the cursed melody, the devil's song, the tune that can kill. The tape your father discovered was forged by Murmur itself. The recording on that cassette was unworldly, demonic deadly. It was the most powerful relic your father and his companions had ever recovered from creatures of the far. It was the latest incarnation of the noise bastard. As if I was reliving the moment itself, I remembered the voice of Murmur crawling out of Alonzo's cassette player while we were on the bus. It had hissed, give us the bastard or die. Ginny waved a hand over the map like a queen surveying her land. Your father recognized the danger that this cassette posed, and he knew that he couldn't keep it safe by himself. He set out with Pony and Alonzo to create a network of curators who would not only safeguard the noise bastard, but would go on to protect other similar relics of the far. Tully Rollins was one of those protectors. Wait, I said. You're telling me our local pawn shop was some sort of safe house for demonic memorabilia? Not just your pawn shop, she said. Across the entire Midwestern United States is a system of pawn shops, antique stores, and flea markets that follow the standards Orrin Moon set forth all those years ago. But what does all of this have to do with the guitar? I asked. The tape she said. He took the tape from the cassette to trick anyone who might try to find the noise bastard. He put the entire length of tape inside the very guitar he gave you, Mel. It was his way of passing the torch to you. Don't you see? 
Mel stood up and backed away from the table. He put it under the pickups, Jenny said. Stuffed it into a small space in the very heart of that guitar. It's the reason the tremolo bar never worked properly. Son of a bitch, Mel whispered. She stared at the map and seemed unable to speak any other words. Her mouth opened and shut a few times. Finally, she looked directly at Wicked Ginny. If Tully's gone, who's running the shop? That's what we're going to find out, Ginny said with a smile. It's good to finally see the apple hasn't fallen too far from the tree. Thanks again for listening to Bad Notes, written and produced by me, L. David Hessler. If you like this story, you can get more of my books at ldavidhessler.com. Speaking of which, The Anchoring Feast, the next book in my Divine Intermission series, is available for pre-order on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes right now. You can also help support the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash ldavidhessler or by leaving an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This episode's mixtape guest is Holy Grove. Get more music at holygrove.bandcamp.com and stay in touch on Facebook at Holy Grove Band. Listen to a new season of my other project, The B-Mega Podcast, where I collaborate with one of my oldest friends to make original superheroes each episode. Get previous installments at megatoncitynews.com or follow us on Twitter at megatoncity. The voice of the national independent radio host is provided by Adam Martins. Follow him on Twitter at T.O.Martins. The title theme music for Bad Notes is by Ethan Mikesell. Find more of his work at ethanmikesell.com. All other music and sound effects are used under a public domain or Creative Commons Zero license. The stories and characters featured in Bad Notes are the property of L. David Hessler and Wicked Penguin Media, copyright 2017. And now, a message from the fine folks at Orb Industries. As the total eclipse of 2017 approaches, it is important to understand the science behind this spectacular phenomenon. The Orb Industries Division of Lunar Observance would like to remind listeners to use precaution while viewing the eclipse. Listen for the sounds of physical change in anyone standing near you as it is quite possible the sudden shift in lunar and solar exposure could cause latent lycanthropy or vampirism to occur. Early onset zombification has also been noted during past solar events. Be aware of your surroundings and always have an exit plan in mind. Please understand, you are not merely watching two randomly intersecting celestial bodies during the eclipse. This is one of many unlikely doorways to the far.
This message has been brought to you by Orb Industries.